Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our behind-the-scenes producer. Now, for this episode, we are interviewing Sarah Johnson. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Same here. And well, before we jump into our topic of engaging the workplace, using surveys to spark change, please share what you'd like about uh, your background with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I... uh, came into the employee listening or what used to be called the employee survey space when I started my career a little bit by accident. I'm an industrial organizational psychologist by training. Uh, and that field in particular covers a lot of ground. But I one of my first internships was with IBM in their what, and this is going to date me when I say this, in their strategic <laughs> personnel research uh, studies team. Uh, nobody calls it personnel anymore. I haven't for years. Uh-huh. But it, it was my first exposure to using employee surveys and employee listening to collect data that senior leaders could use for making strategic decisions, you know, using data to drive their decisions about people within the organization. And the experience of that really stuck with me. And I eventually spent my now almost 40-year career in the employee listening and the people analytics space. And many times in the course of my career, I've had the opportunity to move in a slightly different direction, whether that's leadership development or succession planning or compensation. But I always came back to employee listening and people analytics because the power of that, the the, the power of the data to influence senior leaders was something that really spoke to me. And what I get excited about in my career now as a consultant with Perceptics is the ability to influence the thinking of senior leaders, to tell them something that maybe they didn't know, to provide them with some information that may challenge their beliefs about people within the organization. So that's what I love to do. I've done it both as an internal consultant with companies like IBM and Eastman Kodak and Procter & Gamble. And for the past 17 or 18 years, I have been an external consultant, and I've been with Perceptics as the Vice President of Enterprise Surveys and Analytics for the past eight years. Wow. So a lot, lot of experience here in surveys. Yes. Surveys. Well, and many other things, yes, but in yes, surveys, yes. yes. And, and you know, surveys <laughs> is really the methodology that organizations mm-hmm. use to collect these insights, but it goes well beyond just surveying. There's so much more that this uh, this process can and should do. Oh, absolutely. They can be very powerful tools. Now, one of the questions though, uh, and I've seen uh, in my time, and I'm sure Stephanie has as well, that it, it seems like some organizations treat surveys as kind of like a check the box kind of thing. Right. And they're sitting on a gold mine of information. Absolutely. And I think... Yeah. The last two years of the pandemic has truly proven the value of employee listening 
to organizations. I mean, when you think about it, the challenges that leaders faced in the midst of the pandemic were things that, honestly, business school never prepared them for. Uh, you know, how do yeah. you how do you how do you turn your workforce into a remote workforce almost overnight? How do you enable your essential workers, the people who are on the front lines, to work safely? How do you communicate to people in a very uncertain experience, a very uncertain world? And as the pandemic progressed, so many more issues came to the forefront. Most of the clients we work with, well, all of the clients we work with have always been interested in diversity and inclusion, but that diversity and inclusion space became far more nuanced in the course of the pandemic to include not just diversity and inclusion, but um, uh, equity and belonging as well. So the ability to collect insights, perspectives from employees, and then combine that with HRIS data and then ultimately business performance data provided a unique opportunity for people analytics teams to share with their leaders facts and data that enabled those leaders to make good database decisions about their people in a very uncertain time. When they didn't know what to do, listening mm-hmm. data, whether it's from a survey or some other methodology, was able to provide that guidance in not just a you know finger in the wind way, but based on what people are, need, what they expect what they're anticipating what they need in order to be uh in order to be effective within the organization yeah do you yeah. think maybe some of the reasons why people aren't you, you, you maybe they are using the check the box i mean especially over the last couple of years yeah. when we know it's so important right? right is they just don't know how i think that's to use that data? i think that's some of it i mean i i think um I mean, I've worked with a lot of organizations over the years, and I've worked with some organizations that are very, very sophisticated in their use of data. But there are probably far more organizations that believe that em- employee listening is valuable. They want to collect the data, and they use the data in a you know very kind of, eh, how do I want to put it, um, a very limited way. And that's not... Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but they're not getting as much power and insight out of it as they could. And that was the experience that I had in those early days at IBM was to really see the power of this data in answering questions, in testing hypotheses. So, and here's the thing, I don't want anyone to think that the annual survey, if, you do, if your company does an annual survey, that's a bad thing. It's not at all. The question is, how are you using that data? And are you asking the right questions? You can get far more insight out of that survey um, with a a few careful decisions and, and some additional planning. I think you make a really interesting point, especially about the annual survey. And it kind of gets me thinking, is there a chance that organizations given the fact that there are so many different types of surveys, you have got annual surveys and pulse surveys. And I mean, there are a whole host of different survey options that you may have. Is it possible that organizations don't necessarily know what their available surveys are, when to use them, how to use them? I I guess the the question I'd have for you is, how do you decide what kind of a survey would work for you? And that's a great question. 
the the guidance that I the, the question that I always start with when I work with organizations is a very simple one. It's a simple one. It seems simple, but it is probably far more complex than I let on. And that question is, what do you need to know about people in your organization in order to help the organization succeed? Great question. It is a great question. And, and it, it requires us to think more broadly than just say, well, we want to measure engagement. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we're doing, we are not providing the insight that we could if we thought more broadly about this. So as we think about what is most important in the organization, what do leaders need to know about people? It starts to, it, it begins a questioning process. It, it allows HR to talk with senior leadership within the organization about what are the strategic objectives of the organization? What are the challenges that the organization is facing in living up to those challenges? What are the things that are standing in the way of success? What are the things that keep leaders up at night? And when we start to outline what those things are, then we can start to think about what data do we need to answer those questions, to test those hypotheses? And that starts to lead us into methodologies. One of my big concerns with a lot of the organizations that we speak with is they feel as though they need to adopt a, a very specific methodology before they truly understand what it is they're trying to accomplish. And the reality is there's lots of different methodologies that can work. There's no one, in my opinion, there is no one size fits all when it comes to methodologies, but you have to match the right methodology to the right questions. So if we want, if we decided within our organization that we want to do a, an annual survey, and one of our big issues is attrition in the organization, and what is the impact of onboarding? Well, that methodology is not going to get us the data that we need. So if we start first with strategy, what is it we need to know? Then we can figure out what is the right combination of methodologies to get us the data that we need. And in addition to that, what are the right analytics that we need to do on the back end that will help us analyze those questions? It is really fascinating to hear you talk about surveys in this way, because suddenly the simple survey is not a simple survey. It's a strategic tool, you know, a, almost a strategic driver in some cases. In general, or perhaps, you know, in your experience, is there a, a good time or a right time to start to think about a survey strategy? Is it as you are beginning a new initiative? Is it something that you might develop later on or perhaps be prepared to revise? I'm thinking about the organizations who have never thought of the survey as a strategic tool. How do they begin to integrate that in a strategic right. way? Well, and if they already do a survey, what I would say is use that particular methodology, whatever it is, and start to insert some new questions or topics into it, just as a way to test the waters. In my experience, a lot of senior leaders and even HR are reluctant to let go of the processes that they've been using for a while. So what we always encourage them to do is make small changes. And sometimes these small changes, we can design them in a way that they become proof points uh, for senior leaders within the organization. So if we 
let's say we want to understand this issue of attrition, since that seems to be a very, very popular topic with every organization. Uh, what if we included some much more spe- a specific design of question that we use at Perceptix called the Thailand drill question? And imagine you're looking at your computer screen, you're, you're completing a survey, you're looking at your screen, and on the screen, there may be between nine and 12 options. And the question may be, if something along the lines of, if you were to consider leaving the organization, what factors may influence you to, to leave? Obviously, you'd state it better than I just did, but you see where I'm going. And those nine yeah. to 12 tiles could be things like better pay, better, you know, better work-life balance, uh, uh, better benefits, more free time, better, whatever it is, whatever is interesting to the organization. When you ask, and that's just one single question, maybe the employee, the respondent picks their top three. But now we've collected a very interesting piece of data that if we then look at it just analytically, we can see what what are the potential drivers of attrition for our most highly skilled employees, for those employees that are gonna be difficult to replace. If we then take that data and combine it with actual attrition post-survey, and we have a lot of clients who do this, then we can start to look at what were the differences in survey responses between people who stayed and people who eventually left the organization. That that opens up a world of possibilities. It, and it, you know, in, in, in many ways, this becomes a myth buster. Because there are lots of people within the organization who think they know, well, I know why people leave the organizations because we don't pay enough and it's something. <laughs> well, maybe that's true, but it's better to have data that, out, that, that either proves that point or disproves that point. So my point is you can make a small change. This is one single question in the survey that you can flip, do all the other stuff the same way you had. But introduce it in a way uh, that is, you know, just one small change. You you work with a partner who can enable you to do those analytics, and you come up with a, a a set of data and an analysis that will blow away leaders within the organization. That proof point, that ability to connect what people are saying in the organization to an important business metric, in my experience, is the it, it's the thing that makes senior leaders sit up and take notice because now you're showing me what I can do as an organization that will improve the business. This has gone from an exercise which in many companies is well we survey employees because it's the right thing to do versus we can survey our employees and find out how we can help them be more successful, which then helps the organization be more successful. I love that. Yeah, the data is, uh, all around is really cool. And I'm just curious though. So I know in your book, you talk about making your survey dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Because in order just to, to get the data in there, we've got to entice the folks to take it right. um, and, and set it up in a way that they'll, you know, they'll fully answer. So can you share some suggestions for making your survey, di- survey dynamic? Well, I think it's very important to ask the questions that reflect what's important to employees. I mean, I think if you if you ask questions that reflect the challenges that they're experiencing, 
then not only does it make the organization appear as though they have a handle on what's going on in the company, they know what's important to employees, but it's also going to provide data that enables the organization to take the steps necessary to help employees be more successful. I'm a big believer that a survey survey content should never remain static for long because the reality is your organization is dynamic. And the last two years have shown us just how dynamic organizations have had to be. So if you're asking the same content, if you've been asking the same content for, for 10 years, the organization <laughs> is you know, in a completely different place than it was yeah. 10 years ago. So if you keep asking those same questions, you're missing the opportunity to collect data on those issues that are relevant today that will truly enable your leaders to take the actions necessary to help the organization be successful. But you're also signaling to your employees that, yeah, we don't completely, we don't get it. We don't understand what your real challenges are. I could see as an end user, you know, if you're seeing that, well, and I have been on the end user portion Mm -hmm. of this, where you're seeing the same survey year in and year out, you're like, they're not doing anything with this. And, and you're just, not going to give it as much, you know, credibility. Exactly. 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 And and one of the biggest challenges that organizations have always faced uh, post survey is is taking action, and particularly taking action in a way that is visible to employees, so that they see that their voices really matter, that they they were heard within the organization, because employees feeling as though they are heard is more than just giving them an opportunity to provide their opinion. It is. It goes beyond that. It's not only do I have the opportunity to give my opinion, but I feel as though you not only, you being leaders of the organization, you not only listened to what I had to say, but you, you took it seriously enough that you introduced change in the organization based on what I said. That's when employees truly feel heard in the organization and they, they start to and I, I think employees more than ever want to co-create their employee experience. They want to participate. They want to provide their insights. Uh, and they feel empowered today to to truly do that. I love that. So not only are you getting great data, I mean, we've already discussed many of the benefits, right? But it's also helping your employees feel heard. Mm-hmm. Well, if we do something about right. it. <laughs> and it's a, just a great way to engage with the, uh, the employee. Absolutely. I'm wondering too, because I I feel like as I'm thinking about surveys now from a very different angle, being this great strategic opportunity and a tool that can really help you to find and tap into data that perhaps you didn't know was there or you hadn't really thought about using before. Are there ever challenges with buy-in? You know, I'm thinking you put together this great strategy and you bring this to your Mm -hmm. leadership and they say, this is time intensive. We don't have time to do this. We're either going to stick to the tried and true or maybe not so true, or we're just going to say, you know, this is going to be for a rainy day when we have some space. How would you recommend practitioners position this in a way that will help their senior leaders sit up, take notice, and want to take action? Yeah, and and we do, in fact, see a lot of what you've just described, where an organ, a, a team within the organization, within HR, comes up with a terrific strategy, and they present it to senior leaders who say, yeah, great, but 
I don't have budget or don't have time or it's on the back burner, whatever, whatever it is. We always encourage our clients to take baby steps. You don't have to do everything at once. And I think it's very important to provide those proof points. So if you, like we talked about before, if you are continuing to do your regular survey, insert a handful of questions that deal with this strategic issue and then find a way, work with a a partner who can help you analyze that data and provide data-based insights that will truly get the attention of senior leaders. We always say, you know, as an organization, we will meet the organization where they are. Knowing that not every organization is ready to do something that is truly strategic and, and leading edge, we will help you figure out how we can make incremental changes in the program to enable senior leaders to see the opportunities that this kind of analysis can, can provide. And so when you start to, when you, I, and I think what happens is if you, if you provide those insights, that the thing that makes them sit up and take notice, then you can build on that momentum and continue to do more and more and more. The challenge always before us as HR is to help the organization solve business problems. And that's something that I, I talk about a lot when I, I talk to industry groups or I, I you know, in any of the, the webinars that I do, we have to solve real business problems. And if we want to seat at the table as a function, we have to be able to contribute facts and data that solve real business problems. And I think that's a huge opportunity for us. I think that's an incredibly powerful insight. And I think you're absolutely right, especially too about thinking about this strategy from more of that Mm bite-sized piece. Pick something and let that momentum build. A much more natural way to make sure that you get lasting change within an organization and that your survey strategy really does become the kind of tool that's going to unlock the data that you really need to use. Yeah. And I think the reality is, while a lot of leaders within an organization and even HR leaders, while they understand kind of the basic standard employee engagement survey, that annual process, they don't fully understand all that it could be. They understand in general how it works, which is great, but then they don't completely understand how that data could be then repurposed to test hypotheses, to to provide data-based insights to senior leadership within the organization. So sometimes it's just an opportunity to say, look, we can continue to do what we're doing, but let's let's add a few questions to it and we can do so much more. A lot of times it's it's just simply education. Yeah, I can see that. This have this has just been incredible. I mean, the uh, the insights you've given us. I think all of us are now looking at surveys in a very different way. I I am so grateful for this conversation. I mean, I know this is going to change my practice, and I'm very glad that we're not quite done with our conversation yet. So, Sarah, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest a couple of rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than sixty seconds to respond. So, what do you think? Are you ready for some rapid Bring fire? Bring it on. <laughs> That's the energy we like to bring in. That's great. All right. Your first question today is give us one book that everyone must read and why. I'll tell you something. I don't think there is one book. I don't think that one book 
exists. If, (laughs) If we truly value diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of any kind, we have to recognize that not everyone is going to want to read or needs to read the same book. We need to make sure that when we think about solving problems, we bring in ideas from lots of different places, lots of different points of experience, lots of different cultures. That's going to help us make better decisions. So I'm sorry to say, I can't think of one book that everybody needs to read. But yet, that's a lovely answer in itself, because you're absolutely right. There's a lot of learning to be done, and we're not going to get to all of the books. It's why we rely on each other to keep reading and sharing what we've read, right? This is how we add to our lists. I need another list adding. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We can add yours. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I, I will take that. I think that's a great answer. So your second question is, what is one tool that you can't live without? You know, I hate myself for saying this, but it's my phone. I use... Oh, not a bad answer. You know, I wish... (laughs) I I asked my husband the same question. He said, well, a screwdriver. I thought, well, that's interesting, but I don't know how I'm going to use a a screwdriver to board an airplane or to, (laughs) you know... My phone has become, you know, I used to, when I, I travel a lot and when I used to travel, you'd have to take along an alarm clock and you'd have to take along a, a calculator and you might take along boarding passes and binders worth of, you know, materials, um, all kinds of stuff. And now I find that I do everything off my phone. It, it enables me to hail a cab. It enables me to get on an airplane. It's got all of my vaccination information, my contact lists, my calculator, my calendar. I hate to say it, but it's my phone. There's nothing wrong with that answer. And as you were sharing how you use yours, I was thinking I could make the exact same (laughs) argument for myself at this point. As a fellow traveler, your phone has it all. And if it doesn't have something, the nice thing is it can get you that something. So yeah. Well, I'm optimistic that in my as I as I edge toward retirement, I'll be able to say something like a rolling pin or who knows what. <laughs> I, watch this space. That's that is I, we are going to watch this space. You'll have to let us know where the uh, where the tool conversation takes you. That's great. All right, your last question from us for you today is this. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? This is a piece of advice I got from my first supervisor at IBM. And what he said to me was, it matters less who you know, and it matters more who knows you. And I think that's a powerful statement. I mean, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't create a network of people that you know, but the reality is when other people know you or know of you or know of your work, you are able to spread your voice around the, you know, around the world, around whatever space you're trying to influence. You know, for example, I mean, I, I do a lot of similar kinds of conversations with organizations about employee listening and people analytics. And if I was only able to rely on just those people I know, my voice, my story, my advice wouldn't go very far. But because I people know me, know of me, know of my organization, my voice goes much, much farther. So it's great to know a lot of people, but it's better when people know you and read your books, listen to your stuff, uh, reach out to you with questions, all that kind of great stuff. 
That's great. I love that. That's a fantastic way to wrap up, actually. (laughs) That gives you a lot to think about. Well, and also think about, you know, in the world of, of hunting for jobs, very often, you know, it, it's it's wonderful if people know you and they can reach out to you and say, hey, are you interested in doing X, Y, or Z? I've heard great things about you. So it works in a couple Absolutely of different right. contexts. Absolutely right. Oh, Sarah, it has been amazing. We're so glad you joined us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I've had a great time. Thank you for having me. Sure. And to our community... Stephanie and I have much gratitude for you listening. Before you go, though, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need consultant services? The Metro DC chapter of ATD has many talented members. Go to dcatd.org and check out our consultants directory under the resources menu option. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review. 